0: What I'm going to be preaching about today is lament, biblical lament. Uh, We find in the Psalms about 50 Psalms that are focused on lament. Now, it's always great to go to a Psalm like Psalm 100 that is focused on thanksgiving, but what do we do with those Psalms that deal with pain, that deal with heartache? Well, in many ways, we can relate to them. Because we look at our lives and we know that that we can either look back and see seasons of pain, heartache and struggle, or maybe we're walking through one right now. In fact, just over the last week, we've had members of our church family who have lost loved ones. And in one case, uh, it was a a relative who was in her 30s, mid-30s, young mother who passed away. Uh, In another case, it was a, a mother, a grandmother in, in her early 90s, but who had been suffering from, from dementia. These are, these are reasons for, for grief, reasons for heartache and pain. Other members of our church family received some diagnoses this week, one including cancer. Others that have had tests that, that, that have been taking place, and I heard about some that are going to be taking place this upcoming week. This is, this is life in a church. That a church family at some point and in some way has folks walking through seasons and instances that are filled with pain. And so as we look at lament today, I think it is an appropriate topic for us. Um, We know that there are many various forms in which the, the, the pain can present itself. For some, it's strained relationships, maybe even a strained relationship. Maybe it is a a wayward child. For some, it may be uh, struggles due to employment or financial situations. Really, we could go on and on, couldn't we, about the pain that we find in a broken world and knowing that even as followers of Christ, we live in a broken world. And we, we, we live in that tension, as we'll see today, of both holding on to the promises of God, trusting in Him, knowing that He is able, and yet at the same time, walking through circumstances that we would never have picked. At times might even say we didn't deserve, and yet there they are. And as believers, we're trying to make sense of the brokenness in our world or among us. As we think about the world, we know that there's a lot of anxiety right now there's a lot of fear. As we think about the coronavirus, and I know I've, I've said this a few times, but everything has changed, right? I mean, we, we're starting school, and it's different than any other school year. Everything has changed, and we look at the world, and we know that there's a lot of fear. We look out, and, and we, we, we recognize that there's tension in the world. I took three weeks put together a series to, to, to try to uh, bring about some understanding to some of the tension that's happening, not just in the in the big cities of America, but on social media and within families. There's tension, there's conflict. There's a, a desire to try to understand things like like prejudice and racism. It's been brought to the forefront and, and we've we've searched ourselves. And we've, we've even come together as a church and said, may we be the ones that come with hope and may we be the ones that help lead the way as people who believe in the sanctity of all human life and we believe that we are a body of Christ comprised of people of every tribe and tongue and nation. We, we, we see that big picture and we believe that we have, we have something to offer a world that is struggling in those areas. I told you when I was preaching that, that series that I was reading a lot of different articles and a couple of books, and I listened to some podcasts, just trying to gain insight from others on how exactly to process what was happening. It just seemed like the whole world was unraveling, right? And uh, one of the people that I, that, I, that I heard was a guy named Mark Vrogop, and you may remember I quoted him, I don't know, a couple months ago in that series, and I'm going to quote him extensively today, but he was being interviewed on a podcast And the topic that he was speaking about is lament. And as I was hearing the words of of what a lament was and how it was used in Scripture to lead people through pain, through trials, and to lead them to a place of trust in God, it resonated with me. And I thought, you know, that's what I need right now. I need to have a better understanding of lament because in some ways we we want to express something for the turmoil that's going on in our world. And, and for some, it, it was a call to repentance. We need to repent. And in some cases, that's true. I had a conversation with, with a man who told me on the phone, I struggle with racism. Well, he's a follower of Christ and he needs to repent of that sin. But I saw other examples of people that said, well, we need to have more broad repentance that we need to repent for others or we need to repent for the sins of our ancestors and and that that struck me as being a, a wholesale different definition of biblical repentance i if if, if if I can repent for someone else or someone else can repent for me for me then all of a sudden we've changed what the bible says about repentance so so that can't be the answer but lament can be Lament can be that understanding that we live in a broken world, that things aren't working right, that we are affected by it and we see the results of it and we lament and we bring these cries to the one whom we can place our trust in, whom we can place our hope in. And so that's the difference. Now, I'm not saying that lament substitutes repentance because if someone is is sinning in, in one of these ways, they need to repent of that sin. Nor am I saying that that lament takes care of everything in the sense that if we need to work at rebuilding a relationship or if we need to work for for change in a particular manner, that we still are responsible for that. But I do believe that from a Christian perspective, lament is appropriate for the day we live in. And beyond that, as we're going to see today, I think it's a missing ingredient, a missing ingredient of prayer for many of us throughout life. And I'll be the first to say I have not really understood lament in the ways in which we're going to be looking at today. It's something that, that, that I've been learning and that I, that I hope is, is, is an encouragement to you and something that, that you will find as a resource, uh, not only when, when you are walking through pain, But when you ask the questions, when you ask, what what do I pray about? How should I respond? How should I think about this? Or how do I come alongside my friend, my brother and sister in Christ, a relative, someone who they are the ones that are walking through this painful experience? And we know what that's like to come alongside and say, I have no words. I just hope I don't say the wrong thing, right? I mean, because that's always a possibility. Say the wrong thing. Or to offer something that's more trite or, or just isn't fitting. But lament, I'm not saying that it necessarily gives all the right answers, but it does offer. It does offer a way in which you can pray for someone, a way in which you can offer hope to someone. And so I I, I really believe that as we dig in and we look deeper at what lament is, that for some of us today. It's going to change the way we think about suffering. For some of us today, it's going to be an invitation to pray about something that maybe we've grown silent on, maybe we've given up on, maybe we've become disheartened or frustrated, and we just don't know. Well, God has given us a treasure in His Word. And a full one-third of the Psalms deal with lament. And maybe that, for you today, is something that you can have to hold on to and see that it provides not only a framework for those questions that I just men- mentioned, but it leads you to what is an anchor for the soul. So let's begin. First point this morning is lament defined. And by the time I'm done with this section, you're going to think I've given about 20 definitions, so I apologize for that. I'm just trying to bring context and, and, and uh, different aspects of what lament is. When you get right down to it, lament is a loud cry. It's a passionate expression of grief. It puts voice and words to emotions that people are feeling as they walk through pain, suffering, and the questions that emerge in those seasons. Laments can be personal, something that I myself am walking through. It can can be for a family walking through something together. It could be for a church family. Just think of some things that we as a body have walked through together, where we may not have called it lament, but that's really what we were doing. We were lamenting together. And then you can broaden that out to a community, to a city, to a nation. All of these are appropriate and we find examples of in the Psalms. I mentioned the name Mark Vrogop, a pastor from Indiana, who I heard on the podcast. I looked up a couple of his books on the topic of lament. And here's one that I have used extensively in the message today. So I want to be clear about that. And I also want to offer it to you as a a recommendation. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. And so that's for, for what I've seen, and I know that there's some other books out there that I'm still needing to, to, uh, to look into, but this one, uh, because of the introduction I, I got of him, has really been helpful for me. And so a lot of what I'm sharing today, I'm trying not to do a book summary, I promise. I really want it to be a sermon, but I want to give credit to where I have learned and how I have been personally impacted by uh, the structure in which he frames a lament, It's really something that has been helpful. Let me give you a couple of extended quotes from him. He says, Lament is a prayer, a statement of faith. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Christians affirm the world is broken and God is powerful and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap between Pain and promise. He says to cry is human, but to lament is Christian. And what he's getting at is he's saying lament is something for believers, something for the people of God that, yes, believe in Him, trust in Him, but at the same time are trying to make sense with what they are going through. And sometimes that Making sense is more a form of Lord, this doesn't make sense. I can't understand it. I'm struggling with this, and so being between the yes, I hope in the promises of God, and yet I see the reality of the broken world I live in. That's where lament is is that bridge between the two. So that may be a helpful way of understanding it. But here's the simple definition. If you've been waiting for one to write down, this is it. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And all of that definition is what we're going to be looking at today. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. It's more than just an expression of sorrow. It's not merely venting emotion. It's talking to God about pain and with a desire that begins at that point to move towards trust. So we're going to see that we begin with the reality of the pain, but where we're going is an understanding that we can trust God, that we can, that we can be, that we can be uh, renewed in our understanding of who He is and what He can do in the midst of a situation. It's an invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, our sorrows, before the Lord. It's directing our despair to God instead of away from Him. And as strange as this may sound, lament is actually a path towards praise, a path towards worship. And we'll see that as we look through some of these psalms. Where they begin and where they end, you you might shake your head and say, wow, I didn't think we were going there. From where this psalm began with, with despondency, now we're in praise. And that's where lament isn't to leave you in a place. It's to guide you to a destination. So you're probably thinking, well, then how do we do this? How do we lament? That's the second point, the process of lament. There are four parts to biblical lament. This is part of what I have learned in reading this resource. Oftentimes, I would read through Psalms of Lament or even Even the Psalms, the imprecatory Psalms where, you know, David's talking about the enemies that have surrounded him and, you know, trying to to understand in the historical context and maybe at times even leaving it there rather than seeing how it is a model for how we can pray ourselves in like manner. And here's what we see. The first step, the first part is we come to God. We come to Him. Put our attention to Him. Yes, we may not feel like it but it is going on the fact that we know He is there and that we need to turn to Him. So the simple outline is just one word, turn. That's step one, turn to Him. That in this situation, we look, we look to Him. And yes, it is a prayer, and it takes faith to pray in the midst of pain. Even if they are tough questions, even if trying to get the words is a struggle, it's an act of faith when an individual opens up his or her heart to the Lord, even, even in a time of frustration or confusion or disappointment or just, just being utterly, utterly overtaken. To have the, 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 the prayer to God is a step of faith. And I want to establish from the outset that with all of its tension and challenges, to pray in the midst of pain is much better than the alternative. And what's that? Silence. And we may be tempted to be silent because sometimes it's just easier not to go there, right? Just to hold it in. And some people's temperament, just that's the way they deal with things anyway. They just kind of hold it in. But lament is vocalizing it, putting words to it bringing it before the Lord. In fact, musician Michael Card wrote a book on this, and he said, here is something that is very counterintuitive. Lament and despair are complete opposites. Despair is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief and a denial that God exists, while lament is one of the deepest and most costly demonstrations of belief in God. And you have probably seen that before. Maybe you've even seen it in the lives of others, where you see their world rock to the core, but then you also see that they turn to God. Doesn't mean they're not hurting. Doesn't mean they're not struggling. Doesn't mean they're not frustrated, or that they're just barely hanging on, but they're turning to God. And that's what this first step is all about, going to Him. He uses an example in the book where he talks about marriage counseling. He said, it's kind of like when I'm working with a couple and, and they're, they're having a problem in their marriage and I, and I reach back out to them to see how things are going, see if they're communicating, and, and they make a statement such as, well, I don't know how well we're communicating. It seems like every time we talk, all we do is argue. And he takes away from that and says, but at least they're trying to communicate. What would be worse? The silent treatment, right? Then there's nothing, right? Nothing's being expressed. And he uses that as an example to say, in our pain, sometimes we can take on that form of a silent treatment. And he said, it's much better. Even if it's in the form of a complaint, if it's in the form of a hard question, at least we've turned to God and we're talking to Him about it. That's step one. That's the first part. And we see that. We see that in the Psalms. Psalm 77. We're going to look at three different psalms this morning briefly. The first one is this, 77 verses 1 to 3. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refuse to be comforted. I think of God, I groan. I meditate, my spirit becomes reek. Now, is the psalmist being honest here? Absolutely. Is he, he even says he's crying out. He's lamenting before God. He says, I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. So we stop right there and we see it's an example of in that time of pain to turn to God, to turn to Him rather than being silent you see when confusion exhaustion frustration comes upon us as humans it's very tempting to withdraw and when one becomes silent even going back to the marriage analogy if you will when there is silence happening what is brewing on the inside what do you think bitterness that's right Could that happen in our walk with God? Holding on to it so much that we become getting bitter, embittered about a situation, maybe even towards Him? Silence might seem easier. Just avoid the subject, but is that what's right? Is that what's healthy? You see, lament prays through hardship. Even though the hope may feel very distant, lamenters are reaching out to God. Think of it this way lament is opening a door to show you a path towards trust here's how mark rogup says it he says it is a prayer that leads us through personal sorrow and difficult questions into truth that anchors our soul so that's the first step and that sometimes the first the hardest step is the first one right and so we have to we have to keep this in mind that there are times that we go on what we know, not on what we feel. And when we get into that situation, we know we need to turn to God. That's the first step. It leads us to the second one. Part two, we complain or cry out to God. Simple outline, the word complain. And when I first read through that, I thought, oh, I'd like to come up with another word. <laughs> it just seems strange to, to use the word complain. You know, we don't want to be complainers. You know, that's not not necessarily an attribute that we, that we look to with, with, with fondness, not something we encourage. But yet as you stop and you think about a complaint, a complaint is an observation about something that's not going the way it was expected. Or maybe it's, it's going in a way that is, that is unfair, it's not right. And so it's, it, this word complaint isn't meaning a prideful, God, I deserve better than this type of, of complaint. It's an honesty of just saying, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm going to verbalize it. And so in that context, I'm comfortable using the word complain, particularly when we read in the Psalms and see an example of how to do that. But I I would say it should be surrounded with humility. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But that's the second step. Mark Vrogopp says, when it seems that injustice rules the day, lament invites us to talk to God about it. Instead of stuffing our struggles, lament gives us permission to verbalize the tension. Again, we want to come with a with a with a humble heart, but the other side of it is it's honest, that we're being honest before the Lord. And and if if it's reassuring to you, we should probably be reminded that God already knows what we're thinking, right? He already knows what's there. And so for us to verbalize it is that next step in being able to identify what's here and how we then can move on to the next steps by really identifying what the issue is. Let's look to Psalm 13 for an example of that. See if you hear a complaint. See if you hear a question. Psalm of David, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Wow. Has anybody ever prayed that before? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Now, let's just ask, has he turned to the Lord? Yes. Do you sense complaint here? Yes. There's honesty there. Now, we we, we have to ask ourselves, now... Did God really forget the psalmist? No. But did the psalmist really feel that way? Yes. And some of you were like, yeah, I've been there. I went through a season where I wondered if if God did forget me. Did he set me on a shelf somewhere? This this is the honesty. Um, Look at verse 2. How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? agony in my mind every day? Has anybody had a season like that? You see, this, this is the honest situation of the psalmist, and he's, he's bringing it in the form, really. If you look at it, in those two verses, there are four questions. He's bringing questions before the Lord. And so, again, it's part of the communication to bring it out there. The late James Montgomery Boyce said about these kinds of questions, it is better to ask them than to not ask them. Because asking these questions sharpens the issue and pushes us toward the right positive response. As we ask these questions to the Lord, it is helping us identify the issue at hand in a way that will then lead us to know how to approach the Lord next we're expressing our disappointment but we're moving towards resolution part of the complaint is just the frustration of we know who god is and we know what he's able to do and yet this is what we're walking through but we're not to stay here we bring the complaints before him for the purpose of moving us toward him We allow the honest opening of our souls to become a doorway to the other elements. So let me just be real clear. We don't just stop here and say, okay, I've lamented. No, lament keeps going. This is only step two. Turn, complain, ask. That's part three. We seek comfort and help from God. Now, many of us are going to be a little more comfortable with step three because that's how we view prayer. We come and we ask. But notice what it's taken to get us so that we are now asking about some very specific things and how we are focusing upon the character of God and what He is able to do, what He can bring in terms of deliverance. We talked last week in our message about the intensity of prayer, the frequency of prayer. That at times, even that we we are going back and praying repeatedly about something, and in many ways, we saw how we grow through that process, but it also helps shape our thinking upon what God is doing in our midst. It encourages us to embrace Him. Now, we're moving towards trust, and so this step in the process is calling on God to act in accordance with His character. With his ability. If we just looked at the why questions, why is this happening? Now we are asking a who question. Who is God? And who is he in the midst of what I'm walking through right now? Let's pick back up in Psalm 13. Notice how the psalmist begins to ask. Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. A very small part of this is an ask. Lord God, consider me. Return the brightness to my eyes. Bring life back into my soul. Give me that life. Bring it back. You're the author of life. Bring life back. The brightness to my eyes. We see he's making a request, which is the third step. Asking God to provide what's needed. This is where we are recognizing that that there is a need for provision. There is a need for healing. Maybe there's a need for for restoration of of a broken relationship. Or maybe it's peace. You know, we're going to look at at a psalm in a minute where the psalmist even has trouble sleeping at night. Maybe that request is for peace of mind, for faith. Lord, help me to have a faith in you. With a focus on the ability of God, we ask Him to bring what is needed. Turn, complain, ask. And number four is trust. This is where we express our confidence in God. This is that part I was telling you about that sometimes as we begin the psalm, we would really be surprised that we're going to be ending in a place like trust and confidence. But yet, there it is. Confidence in God's trustworthiness. This is the destination of lament. And so if we haven't moved through these steps, we haven't finished lamenting. Because lament gets all the way to the part where we are trusting, where we are seeking to have confidence in God. Doesn't mean that the situation's over. Listen to me, church family. There are going to be some struggles in life. There's going to be some pain in life that will not be resolved in this life. That's why we know that there's something beyond. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But it is drawing near with confidence. Asking God to renew that trust. Rogup says a lament is one of the most theologically informed practices of the Christian life. Laments lead us through our sorrows so that we can trust God and praise Him. Confidence in God's trustworthiness is the destination. Every time we find ourselves working through lament, that's the end goal, is greater confidence in God. And that makes sense doesn't it how many times have we had a conversation with someone and we hear their faith story and we fear or we hear that that in a situation years ago their faith seemingly went off the rails and this didn't return you see how practical lament can be if what it does is it helps bring someone back to having confidence in God how did the psalmist do it look at Psalm 13. Now remember, we we began in verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? And then in verse 5, it says, But but I have trusted in your faithful love. Did you see that coming? (laughs) In verse 1, did you see verse 5 coming? But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. So here we have an example of one who begins in deep brokenness. But this lament was a pathway to praise. A pathway to remind him that he can indeed trust in the faithfulness of God. In fact, if you look there at verse 5, you see the word but. That was the turning point. All these things he just said But, but I've remembered. You're a faithful God. I remembered, and I praise you. I even thank you for dealing with me generously. Rebecca Eklund says, The prayer of lament rejoices in God's saving actions in the now and hopes urgently for God's saving actions in the future, the not yet of the eschatological timeline as students of the Bible, we know that there are times that we see promises for the here and now and that we also see the promises right for the not yet. She goes on to say, those who lament stand on the boundary between the old age and the new and hope for things unseen. Think about that. We know that what we are experiencing now is not all that God has intended. We know that there's more that He's promised. Now we know that we've already been the recipient of promises, right? We know we've been set free. We know that we've been redeemed. We know that we've been forgiven. And yet we're still dwellers here in this time that may feel like desert wanderings, knowing that there is still something else ahead Thank God there's something else still ahead. We can gather together at times like funerals, and we can look at the coffin and say, this is not the end. Because He has risen from the grave. He has triumphed over death. He has promised that He is going to prepare a place for us. In fact, I was in a funeral this week, and someone speaking in the funeral, a word of eulogy Referenced 1 Corinthians 2 9. What a timely, perfect word for a verse like this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. How do I even explain that verse, right? Beyond what we can see, beyond what we can can perceive or understand. That's what God has prepared for those who love Him. Folks, does that not give you confidence in Him? As we move into that fourth step, to know that this, this is a destination of trust. In fact, Vrogop said Through all the, throughout all the Psalms of Lament, there is this consistent destination of trust. Through all the pain, the questions, the unfair treatment at the hands of others and the injustice, lament leads us to a place of worship. It's really incredible when you begin to look at it. Let me give you one more psalm. We'll do it really quickly. Psalm 22. You may remember this is one that our Lord quoted when He was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You may know the more familiar way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. Is there any complaint here? Let me just ask you. By night, yet I have no rest. Look at verse 3. Will you just look at verse 3? But you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. You think, wow, that's a turning point right there. Now, your version might say, yet, yet or but. That's that bridge, that's the turn from, why have you abandoned me to, this is what you've done. You are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. Now let me ask you, church family, what is he referencing right there? In the history of Israel, what point in time is he referencing back to in these verses? What is it? The Exodus, that's right. The Exodus. God's people were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were under the yoke of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And God miraculously brought them out of that situation, set them free, split the sea, took them to the desert, provided food, gave them water. All that they needed, they had. And what's the psalmist doing? He is reminding himself of God's faithfulness. Now let's just stop for a second. And I want you to think. I guess it would be appropriate for us to stop and think about about, uh, the Exodus. But can you think of another event? A more significant rescue that took place? Can you think of what we can look back on as New Testament believers? The cross. At the cross we can say, He came. At the cross, we can can hear the words, it is finished. At that cross, we can be reminded, greater love hath no man. And when he laid down his life for a friend. You see, God's demonstrated that. He's brought about restoration. He's brought about redemption. That's our but yet moment right there that seasons these prayers of lament and leads us, maybe painfully slow, but nonetheless, in the way of moving towards confidence in in God once again. Those are the four steps. Turn, complain, ask, and trust. By the way, that's our outline for next Sunday. As I said, we're going to pray prayers of lament and maybe for some of us, that's exactly the type of prayer that we need to further strengthen our worship, our confidence in God, our trust in Him. Well, i got one final point. It's a short one, I promise. Times for lament. Times for lament. I want us to consider, when is lament appropriate? Well, the short answer is this. When someone is grieving or hurting, lament is appropriate. Again, what do we say at the beginning? Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to what? Trust. So if someone's in pain, lament is a tool that God has given us. In the book, Vrogop said, Life is filled with a variety of suffering. Pain comes in many forms. Lament speaks into all the sorrows of life, no matter how small or big sorrow could enter your life because of unfulfilled longings, loneliness an ailing body, or an unfair supervisor at work. It could come in the form of a job loss, financial struggles, a broken engagement, or ongoing conflict in a marriage. Our hearts can groan under the weight of infertility, cancer, a failed adoption, an adulterous spouse, or wayward children. The longer we live, the more pain we see. Is he right about that? The longer we live, we see the brokenness. We see the results. We see things like addiction. We see the aftermath of temptation and sin and all of those things that just just discourage and frustrate, break us down. That's when lament is appropriate. And by God's grace, he gave it to us. A third of the Psalms as examples of how we can come to Him honestly. So let's make it personal as we close. When you look at your own life, is there reason for lament? Is there something in which you've become silent before God? Something that you've just stopped praying about, you've just stopped talking about, that you've just held it in? Well, maybe lament is that vehicle for you. To go before the Lord, to know how to navigate the space in between the pain and the promise. Because, you know, we do know that there is a day in which He will make all things new. And of course, we're still in the we're still in the desert. We're, 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 we're going towards the promised land, but we're still walking through those struggles. I read Revelation twenty one, four this week. Describes that time in which God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Do you think there will be any lament prayers in heaven? Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it based on Revelation 21. There's no more grief, no more crying, no more pain. But for now, what do we do? we hold on to the Lord. Maybe for some of us today, we need lament to drive us back to Him and renew our trust in Him. Would you bow with me as we pray for one another and as we go before Him? I invite you to begin your prayer time now. Maybe as I've been preaching today, something or someone has come to your mind. Maybe a situation, maybe an experience that you've walked through or that you're still processing. Or maybe you've had someone else come to mind and that you could pray for them. You could pray for, for God to, to draw near to them. Whatever it is that the Lord has placed upon you, however it is that He's working, would you respond to Him? Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a loving God, that You are a faithful God, that in the treasure book of the Bible, you have given us the tool of lament so that we can cry out to you in a time of heartache. So Lord, would you hear the prayers today? Would you hear even those words that may feel weak as we utter them, but they are evidence of faith as we turn to you? God, would you help us as we pray through the brokenness of this world. As we look around and we see how even this earth is longing for redemption. As we see people around us that are in need of your healing touch, of your salvation. God, may you do your work here within our congregation today. Here in this room or scattered throughout the city today, Lord, may you meet us where we are, and may we cast our eyes to you. Help us. Help us, Lord, to work through lament all the way to trust. That our confidence in you would not be shaken. And that in doing so, the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified. And His holy, your Holy Spirit would be, would be working in us and through us as a lighthouse to a watching world. Pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen.